Good afternoon, everybody. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you for being part of this journey with us as we look at the parables of Jesus. Last week we started the series, and I hope that as we continue in this series, that you will find each of the parables very insightful and learn something new about each one of them. Um, apologies that this Bible study is a bit later than normal, but sadly we've had two memorial services this week, so um, things have been a little bit tight um, this week already. I remind us that a parable, or certainly when Jesus used the technique of parable, that he was placing alongside um, a important truth, spiritual truth, he was placing alongside that a story or an image or some kind of illustration that would help people to understand the key truth. And last week in the introduction, we looked at why he started to use them, and that was based around Matthew 13. Um, if you have a chance, you can, you can go and listen to that if you haven't listened to it um, as yet. But today we're going to look at a parable found in Luke, and we turn to Luke chapter 18, and it's the parable of the persistent widow. But before we get there, I want us just to pray together. Lord, we thank you that as we have gathered together today, that you are present with us. And as we look at these eight verses from Luke's gospel, we pray that even though we may have heard this parable before, that you would give us some fresh insight and uh, give us something that will be able to help us in our journey of faith with you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, friends, so we've got a lot to get through today. I have found it quite incredible how this this parable, these eight verses, have so much depth to them. Um, and so let's see what we can get through in the time that we have allowed for today. Part of the context of this, always important, as you know, is that Luke 18 um, is part of a bigger collection of scriptures, pretty much roundabout from Luke 13 all the way to Luke 17, that speak about other parables, uh, include other parables, speak about the coming of the kingdom of God, talk about the end time. So it's a lot of these uh, kind of themes that are in these um, in this section from Luke 13 to Luke 17. And so Luke 18 is a continuation of that. Uh, just to remind us that the scriptures were only divided up into chapters a lot later than they were written. So one should see Luke 18 as part of this continuing uh, continuum. And Jesus has been speaking about a second coming. And so this parable is not something that's totally on a, on a tangent away from this theme, but it drives home the point that Jesus has been making. So think about that in the background. End times, when Jesus comes back again, what's going to be happening and so on. So verse 1 says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Now, now that line gives us the whole theme of what is to come in the parable. That's the point of this parable, is that we should always pray and never give up. But sadly, what has happened often is that we have separated this parable from the context and so we think it's only a parable about being persistent in prayer. Now, if you have time later this week, we're going to be looking uh, in our sermon on Sunday about another uh, passage from Luke's gospel, Luke 11, that includes 
also a, a little parable. Now, I don't want to give too much away. I want to keep you interested in, in tuning in on Sunday or being present. But um, that's also something else that will, that will come up. But this is the starting point of today's Bible study. Jesus wants to show them through this story that's to come that we should pray and, and never give up. So he carries on, verse 2. There was a judge in a certain city who said, who, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Now, in, in the context of the time, there were different layers, if you like, of judges. Um, two of these layers, if you like, had to do with the Jewish community and, and, their, and their context. One was the, the great Sanhedrin, which was a, a ruling governing body of 71 men that judged on many, many issues that had to do with the Jewish community. Then there was a second tier, if you like, of what was called the Lesser Sanhedrin, um, which was made up of about 23 judges in each of the major cities. And they also would make rulings on, on various issues. So um, the Jewish folk knew that they had these judges to go to, the Sanhedrin, this council where they could present all their concerns and their issues, and they would be ruled upon. But also in the context of Jesus' time, there, there were judges and magistrates that were appointed by the Romans, because we remember that uh, the Romans were occupying Jerusalem and Israel at this particular time in history. And so the second part of verse 2 gives us a clue as to which one of the three this judge was. It says, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Now, the obvious thing here is that this judge would have been a Roman-appointed magistrate or judge because when it says he, he neither feared God, it was talking about the first commandment, nor cared about people would have been the second commandment. So he didn't love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and didn't love his neighbor as he loved himself. So this Jesus makes clear so we can get the context of what is to come. Um, just out of interest, many of the judges, certainly the Roman appointed judges, but even some from the Sanhedrin, sadly, were, were known as crooks and they were corrupt. In fact, the Roman judges were known as robber judges because they loved to take bribes and they were really only interested in, uh, in what they could gain. So that is the context of it. So then in verse 3, we hear the other role player in the story, which is a widow. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. So we assume again that the widow in the story is Jewish and she has not been able to go to the Sanhedrin or the greater or lesser Sanhedrin because more than likely the issue that she has with her enemy is something that has to do with non-Jewish issues. So she's come now to the judge um, and she wants justice for what has happened, but he would just not listen to her. The context of, of being a widow in that time, also um, we remember that for, for widows, they were seen as uh, people that lived on the fringes of society, um, outcast in a way they um, were, were very much needing to be taken care of, but often weren't taken care of, although the scriptures really encourage people to do that. Isaiah chapter 1, 
verse 17 says to us, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. And so the widows were, were treated with special favor in some ways in Jewish community, but in others they weren't. But this particular widow was not having any joy with the judge, and so she keeps pleading. Verse 4 says to us, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I do not fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. So Jesus includes, and Luke, when he records what happened, he includes this phrase a second time where the judge doesn't fear God or care about people. Um, so we see he's got no compassion for the people that he serves, even less compassion probably for this widow, and doesn't really care about her issue um, whatsoever. But the Bible tells us in verse 4 that he ignored her up to a point where eventually her incessant asking was driving him crazy. Um, and we can just get the picture of that. It's just her asking and asking and asking. Eventually this judge is saying, okay, I, I need to do something about it. And so not for her sake at all, but only for his own sake, does he eventually relent? And verse 5 says, or the rest of verse 5, I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. That phrase, she is wearing me out, in the, in the Greek is a phrase that's actually a boxing term where the boxer who's, who's winning the bout wears down his opponent by punching him and punching him and punching him. And it's that image of how her, her requests are wearing the judge down to the point where he says, either I'm going to get knocked out or I just need to eventually give in. And the constant requests, which are recorded as part of the, the last part of verse 5, comes from the Greek uh, phrase, eos telos, which means endlessly, or in other words, almost infinitum, forever. That he, he eventually realized, if I don't do something about this woman's request, she is going to keep at it day after day after day. And so he eventually decides to do something. So that's the, the parable that Jesus shares. He's placed this image, this illustration, alongside the truth that now he wants people to, to note, which is the whole thing about praying and never giving up. But Luke helps us to put the, the whole story together. Verse 6, Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Okay, so here he's, he's opening our attention again and our minds to say, okay, right, now we must learn a lesson. And uh, some uh, translations of the Bible actually call this the parable of the unjust judge. Some call it the parable of the persistent widow. But it's the lesson that we learn from this unjust judge that must help us to understand who God is. Okay, now Jesus is using a technique in this parable that we would not say, okay, God is like the unjust judge, as in like for like, um, because then we'll get a, the wrong image of who God is. But he's using one of comparison. So God is is way better, um, way more compassionate, so much more kind than this unjust judge. And 
even though this unjust judge eventually gave this woman justice just because he wanted to get her off her back, so God, in a completely opposite way, would respond to our requests because he cares for us and he loves us. So this is clear in verse 7. It says, even he rendered a just decision in the end. And we can read all whole, you know, between the lines there, even he who's, he who's not religious, who doesn't care about people, he doesn't fear God, even he eventually comes to make a good and a just decision. Verse 7 carries on. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night. So as we've got the picture, and I think even though we don't live in that time, we have got the picture. Okay, we, we understand what this judge is like. We see how he's given this widow justice. He's come to this decision in the end. So we would even answer the question here, don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people? We are then thinking to ourselves, well, of course he would. When we come to him in prayer, when we cry out day and night, of course God, because God loves us, he would answer our prayers. And that's the right answer. That's where the parable is supposed to take us. He even says the, the last line of verse 7, Jesus uh, says, will he keep putting them off. In other words, you know, will the God who loves you, who's called you his children, his chosen people, will he keep putting you off? Of course the answer is no, not at all. Um, and so we, we hear this about the persistence and about how we should always pray and never give up. But before I come to the last verse, um, I must just share that that I was going through this parable um, later this, uh, or actually earlier this morning, with um, a group of folk, and one of the questions that came in in this discussion was: sometimes we feel a little bit embarrassed that we keep asking God the same thing, and doesn't God get tired of that? I mean, aren't we nagging God for supposedly what we want or what we need? And and surely God knows already what we want. So, so why should we be persistent in the prayers? And it was such a great question. And, I, and, and I'm sharing it now because I think that if we take this parable out of its context, we, we will see that it could essentially be implying just nag God for what you want and eventually he will give it to you. Be persistent in your prayer. Now there is an element of that, and 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 you know we wouldn't be wrong for coming to that conclusion. But remember what I was saying is that the context of this parable is about the kingdom of God, the coming of Jesus, the second coming, and the end times. And so, when when Jesus is telling this parable, his disciples are in that frame of mind where they. They're dealing with a lot of stuff in their lives and still more to come. Um, we as Christians ourselves live in very complex times. It's sometimes very hard to be a Christ follower. There's pressure from all sides. There's persecution. Um, we live in a world where there's earthquakes on one side of the world and famine on the other side and heat waves in Europe and fires in Australia and floods in KZN. There's a whole lot of stuff happening 
And we're thinking to ourselves, Lord, where are you in the midst of this? Now, this is where verse 8, I think, is the, the crucial, crucial verse for us. Jesus says, I tell you, he, God, will grant justice to them quickly. In other words, God will answer um, our prayers quickly. And we know when God says quickly that God's time is not our time. But the promise is that God will answer um, us and, and he will give justice in, um, in his time. But the second part of verse 8. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? How many will I find who have faith? Now, I have to say that when I first encountered this parable, and in fact, even before up until this week, I thought that verse 8 didn't belong in this section because it seems totally um, out, of, out of place. It seems like the Luke could have actually stopped at the end of verse 7 and it would have made a lot more sense. I don't know where he would have put verse 8, but it suddenly seems strange that will the Son of Man find faith on earth when he arrives? Now, now what has that got to do with persistent prayer? And the answer is really, really quite challenging. Because when Jesus was sharing this parable about persistence in prayer, he was talking to his disciples to say, look, no matter how bleak things get, we should never give up believing that God, who is the Redeemer, who is your judge, who is the Messiah, that God hears you and he is with you and he is coming again. This is the faith that we are to hold up. So in other words, let's put it practically. If if God were to come back tomorrow, would we, would you and I still be having the faith today to be trusting in God and to believing in God today and tomorrow when we wake up? Or would we have given up? Would we have become exasperated? Unlike the widow, would we have got to the point of saying, Lord, we can't carry on anymore? We, we're desperate. Um, we, we need this problem to be resolved, but we can't carry on anymore. And so the image of whenever Jesus returns, if it's tomorrow, if it's next week, if it's next year, what the call is for us in this parable is to be persistent and never to give up. In other words, not to despair that God is in control. I think that's what I'm trying to say. That We need to keep believing that God is in control. That phrase never give up is um, in the Greek is the, the phrase to lose heart. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, in all that's happening, all the pressure coming from the religious leaders, um, coming from the world around them, from the Roman uh, occupiers, everything that they're facing in their lives, he's saying to them, I want to teach you a parable that will help you to never give up and not to lose heart. Now, John MacArthur tells us that that phrase, lose heart, is mentioned only once in the Gospels, and that is now in Luke chapter 18. It's mentioned four times in Paul's letters, um, and Paul writes to the church in Corinth, in Galatia, in Ephesus, and in Thessalonica. In each one of those letters, he uses that phrase at least once, we don't want you to lose heart. And so it's a it's a phrase of encouragement, but it's also a phrase that recognizes the reality 
of life. That life is hard, and for some people, they are, are tempted to give up at some point. So this parable, for you and I who are listening to it today, I think is, is very profound. Because over the last two years or, or so, with COVID um, being the background and the context of our times, there have been moments where many of us have felt like giving up. Um, and thankfully, those of you who are listening today, we, we have been able to rely on God's grace, um, the gift of the Holy Spirit, but also upon one another to, to take one day as it comes. But we've also been faced with a whole lot of other things, and these things undoubtedly impact upon us um, as Christians, because we aren't immune from these things, the increase in petrol prices, the war in Ukraine, um, the, the increase in food prices, the concerns about ESCOM and power, the concerns about floods that happened not only in KZN, but also in the Western Cape, um, the high murder rates. I mean, there are so many things that could be weighing upon us. We could be worried about our children. We could be worried about grandchildren, worried about health issues. There are a number of things that we could just add to the list. And these overwhelm us. But Jesus' parable today invites you and I to hold on for one more day. In 1 Corinthians 16 verse 22, um, the, the phrase used by Paul there is, O Lord, come. Come now, O Lord. It's what we call the Maranatha prayer. O Lord, come. And as much as we pray this today, O Lord Jesus, come, return, um, that we also understand that, that he may not come today, but we still believe that he will come. He will keep his, his promises. And um, the, the psalmist wrote these words, and I'm going to share them with us from Psalm 98, as the psalmist was able to sing the song of joy and victory, knowing that God was the righteous or is the righteous judge. He ends with verse 9, Psalm 98, which says, For the Lord is coming to judge the earth, and he will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. And that is a contrasting image from the judge in the parable, the unjust judge, who didn't really care about God or people. And so, friends, I, I've given a lot of information, I think, today, but I want you just to uh, reflect on this. Let it settle within you and and please go and reread the, the, the parable, Luke 18. I, I've often found it helpful to find a different version. Um, I think, as you know, I, I often like to use the New Living Translation, but the NRV is also helpful. Some people like to use the New Revised Standard. But use use a different translation just to, to, to shed a different light on this passage. And then hold the lesson about persistence in prayer. Not so much about something that we are wanting. And of course we can. We can pray and we can persistently come to God with that request. But it's the persistence in trusting that God is with us, that God will give us and has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit to sustain us and strengthen us and to, to keep persisting in the belief that with God all things are possible. 
And so may God bless you. Um, if you found this, this Bible study helpful, by all means forward it on to somebody else um, who may be needing this at this particular time. Um, but I also just want to pray a blessing on, on you too. So let's pray. Lord God, I think that each one of us who are listening today can relate at some point in our lives to feeling like giving up. And so in this parable, we have heard how Jesus shared the story of the unjust judge. And it helps us to see that you are nothing like the unjust judge, but that you care for us and that you really want um, the best for each one of us. Help us to trust in your timing. Help us also to trust in, in your provision and how life turns out, Lord God, that you um, are rooting for us as your children. And we pray perhaps today for one or two people who may be um, feeling that they are at the end of their tether. Lord Jesus, would you just come and be present to them and help them not to be too discouraged and overwhelmed. And so we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again, friends. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.